topics you care about by people you trust. This is The Risk Perspective, your healthcare cybersecurity, privacy, audit, and compliance podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Frickle, and now for the show. Medical device technology continues to develop, and healthcare organizations continue to implement these highly sophisticated network-connected devices. However, these developments and increase in connectivity comes with a risk. In this episode, we have invited three cybersecurity experts who will talk through their perspective on medical device security. Welcome to the show, Dave Bailey, Senior VP of Security at Synergistic, who comes from a provider background, and so does Ben Stock, Director of Healthcare Product Development at Order. We also have John Benedict, Medical Device Security Principal at Synergistic, who's been advising on medical device security for seven years. To kick us off, I'd like to start with Dave. Dave, I know you work with provider organizations of all different sizes in your day-to-day. Can you start us off by describing the current state of medical device security? Explain to us the trends you see and where you think we currently stand in protecting medical devices. Hey, Lauren, thanks so much and welcome. Hey, Ben. Hey, John. Really looking forward to today. A couple things. So, so what is this problem? First and foremost, if you look at vulnerabilities and you look at you know what, what does an IT security professional have to deal with right now, we have like 390% growth in published CVEs over the last 10 years. If you look at how many thousands of vulnerabilities are considered to be at the highest level of criticality and what they can present to a threat actor and the damage that they can do. The numbers are in the thousands. It's growing exponentially. If you then translate that into, you know, and I'm, I'm using rough numbers. If you look at IoT in general, you're into the hundreds of thousands of different network capable devices. And if you look at the trend, that trend is growing. So if you align the vulnerability chart and trend with the number of devices that are are trending, and then you look at the task that a chief information security officer in a hospital health system have to enable, do they have the appropriate safeguards in place? Can they protect their patients? How, How do they go about securing an environment where Realistically, the challenge that they have is the attack surface is so big. When you look at, at a hospital or, or health system, you look at the network, what's behind the firewall, you know, what are the things that they have to protect? That surface is extremely big. And now you are connecting, you know, very critical devices, you know, to that environment, that large attack surface. What are the threat actors going after? Right now, they're exploiting vulnerabilities, they're trying to steal credentials. And they're using those credentials to launch disruptive attacks, whether that be ransomware, that, whether that be data, data exfiltration, whether that be extortion. The challenge is how does that provider go about securing that environment? We're working today to, to help folks with understanding the visibility. So what's the problem look like? They, they can't solve anything unless they know what it is. How do you take it and harden? You know, how, how do you make it secure? How do you provide the appropriate safeguard in place? How do you deal with all the cybersecurity incidents that are that are happening? I, I think that's that's a huge challenge in, in, in the landscape. And then most importantly, you have all these connected devices, you have all these vulnerabilities. That is the starting point. You know, once once a threat actor decides that they may target you or go after your organization, they're going to use tactics, techniques, and procedures in order to exploit those vulnerabilities. If there's anything that you want to be able to provide security around, this is it. These devices are key to 
care delivery, they're at the bedside, they're, they're important in being able to care for patients. And, you know, right now, the task is very daunting to make sure that those devices are protected. Thanks, Dave. Now I'd like to hear a little bit from Ben. Ben from Order, welcome to The Risk Perspective. First, tell us a bit about yourself and then tell us what we can do to help address some of these challenges that Dave just highlighted. Thanks, Lauren. And uh, Dave, great, great points you brought up there. Uh, so Ben Stock, I've been in the, the clinical device, uh, you know, clinical engineering background for over 20 years now. Uh, I started my career uh, with, with SSM Health, spent 18 years uh, coming up from a BMET 1 um, into a director role with, with one of my responsibilities being cybersecurity for over 24 hospitals and and multiple thousands of connected devices. And with that, you see lots of things. And, and the thing you see is that no matter what the manufacturers do to secure products, um, they're always behind in technology compared to the resources of, of the people out there that are trying to exploit. And those vulnerabilities that are inherent within medical devices, um, you can design a, a medical device to, to work on a patient. And, and that's the key point there is that it is designed to help either provide care or, or services to a patient. And the key thing in that is that cybersecurity is not the forefront of what that device is designed for. Um, and when we look at the healthcare industry, th those gaps just keep getting bigger and bigger as the threats to them uh, become more and more advanced. And the fact that, that it's not just people going out there trying to you know see what they can do, see what they can get into, these are organizations that are businesses, they have HR departments. Their goal is to exploit products to make money. And when you have that coming at you, no matter what you do from a manufacturer, you're not gonna be able to protect that device. So what happens there is we have to rely on keeping them away from that device uh, and making sure that our networks are hardened, that our devices that are vulnerable are separated from those that contain our patient data, uh, all of our databases, and, and making sure that in the long run, we're keeping them out and away from those devices so we never have to rely on the inherent security that's built into the product to hopefully protect those products. I just want to add, when you look at you know, the capabilities of, of the threat actor, and you look at what, what the medical device can, can provide, I mean, look at all the boxes that it checks. It has vulnerabilities. It has high value data and it's on the network. I mean, those are things that just are, are, are ripe for, for a threat actor to be able to launch the types of, you know, financially motivated attacks that are out there. Ben mentioned the design cycle. Uh, these, are, these are FDA approved devices. They have a very long design and approval process. Uh, that, that's a long life cycle in and of itself. And then the average medical device will stay in service 10, 15 plus years. So, you know, we're out there trying to secure stuff that was built in the early 2000s. It's not unusual for us to even see, you know, Windows XP is common, but like Windows 95, these are some pretty significant challenges in some aged devices to take care of. And John, I think one thing we need to recognize too is the cost of those devices. We're not, we're not talking about two, $3,000 of capital here. Um, we could be talking about an MRI that could cost over $2 million to replace once you consider the, the amount of construction and the cost of the equipment. Um, and that's just not a financial burden organizations can take on at this point in time. So it's critical that we learn how to protect those devices and keep them up and running so that financial burden does not fall back on the organization to have to replace that equipment every five years uh, or four years like you would a standard desktop. 
Um, the problem, though, is like you mentioned, we're using standard desktop applications as the heart of those devices. Uh, and they're building, being built off of a Windows X7 or a Windows 7 embedded, um, and they're not having a great upgrade cycle. So the, the, it's very difficult to say upgrade the operating system on that device because it does have to then go back through that FDA program to make sure that that particular device is safe. There's certain things that can be done without getting recertification, but a major upgrade to the operating system is not one of those. So the manufacturers are very hesitant to do that while they're currently designing the next product that they want to release. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I think more and more visibility into the problem, and certainly if uh, organizations are not paying attention uh, over the last 18 months, they, they need to be. I think most security professionals, we've used words like the threat landscape over the years, and we make statements about how it's changing. and. I really can't stress it enough. Like it's, I, I don't, I, I say these, I say this very seriously. You know, there's a lot of times I'm not serious in, in, in my conversation. This time I am serious. It is a very serious threat. There is, has been a, a big change in the way that disruptive attacks can, can really harm an organization. It's, it's far beyond either the fear or realization that you could have regulatory or you know, financial burden from regulatory pressures. This is about the ability to be able to either A, keep, keep patients safe, or, or B, be able to operate your business because these types of, of attacks are you know, proven to be very dis disruptive. And, and, and I think when, when you really look at the types of, of solutions that, that are there, you need to understand what the problem domain is in your environment. That's key. You have to know what you have. You can't protect something you don't know that you have. So you have to have that. Um, you, you have to be able to formalize, you know, how you go about taking the risk that's been identified or what those vulnerabilities are and, and really start the elbow grease and, and, and start to, to enforce and fix vulnerabilities that are out there. And there's, there's other tactics outside of just patching, as we know, and, and you know, Ben and John can, can certainly attest to this about how you harden the device, how you segment the device, how you, you know, put policy around it that, uh, that puts it at its best and you know lowest risk possible. So it'd be curious to, to to find out from you know from the two of you what what you think is the is the right success model or, or, or what you see out there that that uh, is gaining the best traction today. In healthcare, the the predominant way we've seen uh, organizations go about this is looking at a zero trust model, and that's only allowing devices to communicate with other devices that is absolutely critical for their function as a medical device. And, and you're seeing this come about for a couple different reasons. You know, the, the traditional model of backups and, and being able to restore if an event happened um, has kind of gone away with the act, threat actors actually adapting to that uh, and, and getting into your network and going after your backups first so that you don't have the ability to say, no, we're not going to pay the ransom. We're just going to back up from what we have, and then we're going to continue with our, our business. And they're, they're, you're seeing this double extortion technique that really the only way to protect from it is to keep them out in the first place. And, and with double extortion, you're seeing that they're going in, exfiltrating your data, then encrypting your data, and then actually the attack occurs where they become visible. And they're not only saying, hey, if you don't pay us, we're not going to unencrypt your business and allow you to continue with your business practices. But if you don't pay us, we're going to put your information out on the web. Um, and with that technique, the only way to protect from it is to keep them out in the first place. 
another interesting thing that you talked about, zero trust, healthcare, specifically medical devices, is the only industry that I know where you have the greatest challenge with the zero trust environment because availability is king for these devices. They have to be available for use. Um, when they're needed by a clinician or a patient, and you can't just block them by default. So getting to that zero trust model, I, I think as Dave indicated, is really rolling up your sleeves and it's a lot of elbow grease. There's just not a magic pill or, or potion that's going to get you there. Absolutely, John. Uh, I mean, I've been through some of these these legacy systems where we're trying to implement zero trust models, um, and, and the process of just going to the manufacturer and asking what the device does does not work. Um, when you build a policy based off what the manufacturer thinks the device does, um, you break the system almost every single time. Um, so it requires a lot of work to identify all the systems and subsystems that that, that device communicates to uh, and to create a policy that, that does not impede the clinical workflow um, that's around that. And if you look at systems like linear accelerators uh, for cancer treatment, they communicate with so many different devices that no one really knows about to perform that patient care um, without some form of automated discovery or machine learning technology, you are almost, it's almost impossible to identify all those systems uh, the first go around and not break anything when you implement a policy. You have to have visibility. It's key. You, know, you have to be able to know what, what you have. And then the good news about this is we don't really have to reinvent the wheel about what to do. It's really being able to do it. And, and, and I think that's key. Certainly there are tools and products, outstanding tools and products that can help provide you the visibility, can help implement protections, but you have to combine that with people, with process. And, 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 and those are things that I, I think will you know, ultimately create a better environment for network connected medical devices to operate in. One of the things that I have always found, you know, interesting about this particular problem, it's you can apply segmentation, but the device still has to talk. And when it has to talk, you still have to allow, while you're limiting some communication and some ability, uh, you still have to allow it to talk to the resources that it needs to talk to in order to function, which you're still imposing a larger attack surface in order to do that, especially when you get around authenticated traffic. Because then, you know, to an organization that has the ability to monitor those things, if, if someone were to compromise, you know, accounts and, and, and communication, whether that be at the hardware level or at the, at the user level, it'll look, like it'll look like authenticated traffic from that standpoint. So there's, there's um, I, I hate to keep going back to the gloom and doom on this or what the challenges are, um, but the good news is, is there is a footprint for this. There is the plan. The plan, get your visibility, put sound people process in place, you know, and, and, and get to rolling up your sleeves and, and, and really trying to tackle what's important, the, the critical vulnerabilities, how, how to go about putting that, that device and that, that um, you know, risk posture in the best possible way because it's not just going to be a simple, oh, just go patch or, or, you know, you have to apply, you know, sound security practices. And the good news is that we have those. I mean, we're not creating new ones for that. We, we know what we, what we have to do. We just have to be able to go execute on it. Thanks, Dave. Picking up on that, it's daunting but it's okay, there's a plan. I like the positive vibe there. 
So, John, to you, I can imagine a lot of healthcare organizations, especially today, don't have the resources, budget, time to effectively manage their medical device security appropriately. John, from a consulting perspective, what is your suggestion? Sure. Well, the the worst thing to do is to do nothing. Um, You know, I think that Dave made a great point with people, process, and technology. Um, and, and there are a lot of great tools, uh, you know, like, like Ben's tool at order, they, uh, a passive tool is, is become commonplace for medical devices. And the reason is they don't actively interrogate the devices. Um, and the reason we can't do that is if a device is in service, uh, treating a patient and you actively scan it or interrogate it, you could take it down even for a moment and wind up, uh, harming or maybe even, uh, worse to to a patient. So good old fashioned rolling up your sleeves. And, and as Dave said, uh, people process technology and with those people process and technology, I'll talk about uh, what's probably the most important to me and that is clinical workflows. Understanding your clinical workflows is not something a tool alone is gonna get you. It's not something that just a biomed technician or clinical engineer is gonna know on their own or a network engineer. You need that blend of all three. You need somebody who understands, um, you know, really network and security. You need somebody who understands the device at the device level, and you need a good passive tool that can tell you what devices are communicating with, so that when you start evaluating that traffic, you can take a look at what communications are really necessary and start to uh, narrow that attack surface down as much as you can and try to eliminate uh, ports, protocols, and, and communications that, that aren't as, as necessary. That's probably the foundation to how to roll your sleeves up. And that's exactly what we've been doing here at Synergistic is pulling together a managed uh, service solution for medical device security where we do leverage people process technology. We come in, we do uh, a gap analysis of your environment, of your entire ecosystem where your medical devices are plugged in. Uh, we use passive technology like orders to um, to see what devices are, are out there, what they're talking to. And then what we do is we do an assessment of your program maturity and take a look at all the other potential gaps that you have. Um, and we bring together all the pieces that you need, nothing more and nothing less, which brings you a finished solution that uh, takes care of a device through its entire life cycle uh, from procurement all the way to disposition and while the devices are in service you know a heavy focus on uh, security operations integrating into like a SOC and uh, making sure that your medical devices are part of your standard incident response process. Yeah, absolutely, John. So uh, the, the one thing you really brought out there is is that, that it's not just one particular area within the hospital that needs to be part of the conversations around segmentation. Um, it's, it's down to the clinical end user that needs to be part of the conversation to understand what is going on with the device. Um, it's the clinical engineering department to understand how that device is installed and it's network services and IT and IT security that need to also be part of that conversation. And in your traditional healthcare environment, those are typically very siloed areas where you're, even within IT, your network secu- your IT security and your network services aren't necessarily talking about what needs to be done to, to protect the network, to protect the devices on the network. Um, and either via a managed service partner that comes in and brings those areas together or an internal resource that brings those areas together. Someone has to be communicating between all those key areas 
um, for segmentation in a zero trust environment to work. Uh, if you can't bring them together, it's never going to work. There's been nothing in security in my career that I felt was the easy button. The reality of it is, and unfortunately in this space, is there's, you know, there's certainly outstanding products, outstanding processes that you can do, best practices, but you, you, you need to be able to bring those in into a, into a program that's managed, that's looked after and formalized as, as part of the overall program. So really good points today, really good conversation. It's awesome to, to be able to listen you know, to John and Ben who are, you know, have, have really dedicated their professions to, to trying to make medical devices safer. So I, I really want to thank you, you know, the both of you and, and um, you know, look forward to future dialogue on this for sure. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Dave, Ben, and John for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to advance or manage your medical device security program, we here at Synergistic are offering a special promotion exclusive to listeners of this episode. Visit synergistic.com backslash podcast special and fill out the form to request a free one-hour consultation with John. Synergistic.com backslash podcast special fill out the form on that page and we will contact you to schedule a free one-hour consultation with john to talk about your medical device security program we hope that you enjoyed this episode we hope that you learned a lot and as always and again thanks for listening 